Rolling. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Free Lunch Podcast presented to you by Rambo Too Funny. I'm your main host. And today we got a real special guest. But before we get into that, man, let me give y'all a little breakdown. So, Free Lunch Podcast, if you grew up and you got free lunch because your mama lied to the government, then that's why you here. All right? Your mama lied. It was a whole man at the house. It was a whole bunch of manly stuff in the yard. People came to the house. She had a lie and said that was her little friend or whatever. But that was really your daddy, and he was making real good money. But she was lying to them people so you can get free lunch, so you didn't have to pay that dollar twenty-five every day you went to school. So shout-out to your mama and mine. All right, so free lunch now that we've grown. We're just giving out free knowledge, free game from some real important people that are on the back back ends of working behind the scenes in different spaces like wealth management, life insurance, uh, uh, you know, we got, we're going to talk about fatherhood, you know, so these are some really good topics to tap into and really learn and hold on to these gems that my boy finna drop on y'all because it's some important stuff we finna tap into. All right. So without further ado, man, this is, uh, man, one of my good friends. He is in the wealth management life insurance space, and he is absolutely thriving, y'all. You can, he, I'm gonna let him give you, you know, all his social media handles. But make sure y'all follow this guy, you know, after this, so you can continue to learn and grow in those spaces. All right. So without further ado, I present to you everyone watching the Free Lunch Podcast right now, Financial Wolf. Fear, 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 fear. <laughs> now, hey, this is the first one. So when I get my we get all the stuff, my bills and stuff, we gonna be it's gonna be automated. So look, <laughs> man, my boy, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are first before we get into these into these questions. All right, most definitely. I appreciate appreciate you, appreciate being here. So I'm the Wolf. You know, you can find me on Instagram at the Wolf underscore Melick. That's M E L E C H. Uh, I'm on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. YouTube, all social platforms, you'll find me at. Man, my background real fast is, you know, I wasn't always in the financial industry. Uh, you know, I kind of stumbled a, a, across it. And like he said, I've been thriving at it, been doing real good at it. Uh, but my background is kind of like, you know, I come from uh, Detroit. You know, I'm in Houston. I'm what up, though? Yeah, what up, though? Come from Detroit and... uh you know, come from gang culture. I, I was real heavy out in the streets out there. And, uh, you know, I know that sounds like a lot of, uh, you know, our people have similar stories and they kind of get old. Like, oh, I had to struggle. I had to do all this. Uh, in reality, I really didn't have to struggle or nothing like that. Uh, you know, both parents was in the household. I knew right from wrong. But the thing is, like, when the streets kind of call you, it's like, it's really no way of uh, around it really unless you leave that environment and being young of course i couldn't just get up and leave so kind of right, got stuck right, into that and right. you know uh was able to most definitely be blessed to be one of the ones to make it out and you know do the other things and be very successful at it so. yeah for sure Let, let's lean in on that real quick man so man you said something and it stuck with me you said you know, I, I I was out in the streets, but I ain't have to be. Both parents in the house, food in the refrigerator, mm -hmm. lights on, water on. I got on, you know, mama buying me the school shoes, mama, you know, they doing their thing. But you said when the streets call, 
Cause man, I I was there. I was there with you, bro. I was there with you. I was same same story. You know, I was Baptist on Sunday, but I was thugging on Saturday night. I, right. I was involved. I was involved with drive-bys. You know, I'm I'm up on Sunday praise dancing with gunpowder on my hands. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, like, was asking just straight crash dummy, right? Crazy. And, I, and then I think every young man, and it's not specific to race to me, honestly, because I think every young man, when you coming into your teens, you you know, you 18, you transitioning out, you trying to figure this thing out, and it's uh, you know, you you trying to figure out what side of the line you gonna be on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, your testosterone at its peak. You know, you anybody look at you wrong, you you ready to die by whatever. We don't even know what we dying for. I, we stood on a street I ain't even grow up on every day and was claiming it like we we paved the road. It's ours. Like we built the houses on the street. Like yeah. it was in our name. And you know, I was just it, it it was just crash dummy stuff. You know, looking back. So what what would you you know? How would you point that conversation to somebody that? A young man is transitioning out of mom house, had a good upbringing or whatever, but he's seeing the gang culture, he's seeing the music, mm-hmm. he's seeing social media heavy. How do you point that conversation to that to that young man? man? It's crazy. I was just about to say it's heavy influence by, like, the music. I know some people say music don't influence people, but, I mean, music change your mood and all that stuff on how, you know, how you thinking. Right, if you're right. sad, you're going to throw some sad music. If you're mad, you're going to throw some angry music. If you're in the club, you're throwing on dancing music. So <clears throat> music do influence you, how you navigate and stuff. And for me, you know, what I tell tell people that's going through it and trying to find a way is, you know, don't believe all the stuff you hear and see. Like me, I believed it. Like mm. the music, I'm really thinking people doing what they were saying in the songs, and that's influence. I'm like, man, and then they out talking about it. So I'm like, obviously it ain't no consequences, really. And back in Detroit, the police really, I mean, you could about get away with. They really ain't care. They was gang members too. Yeah, yeah, not facts. <laughs> yeah, they gang members too. You feel me? So it's like. And plus, we doing them a favor by getting rid of each other, you know? Right. So Ooh. it just was like, they just stepped back. And my thing is, I was, you know, I was so comfortable with being, like, in the streets that I didn't see another way. What's crazy is everybody that I was in school with all this, everybody had their plans of what they wanted to do. And I ain't had no plans because I'm like, my goal, I'm thinking, like, I'm not going to make it to 18. So I was like, I'm about to just go so hard in these streets i had a a goal to be the biggest gang in in the world that was <laughs> that was a goal for me i was like i want our gang to be the biggest gang and i was like for that i have to be the loudest i have to be the most aggressive and we had grew a real big name where we was from and and i always told myself like shit, i ain't making it 18 so Every day, I'm about to go up, and I'm about to go hard. And we about, we about to go out here and die. Man, what? Every day, I'd say a prayer for my mom. So I'm like, you know, just suicide probably going to be like. Suicide bomber, just. Suicide. I'm, like, I'm like, out here. <laughs> I'm like, this going to be every day I wake up and go outside and leave with my friends and stuff. I'm like, you know, I just pray my mom has strength for whatever happened. Because it's about to be up when I hit these streets. And I was like, I ain't going to make it to 18. Made it to 18. I'm like, damn, okay. 
Well, shit, I know for sure I ain't making 21. So I'm like, I'm still <laughs> going hard. You stretched your date out? You pushed your date out? Man, I put, You woke I up on 18, 18 like, <laughs> you woke up at 18 like, I'm still here? <laughs> it was supposed to be checking me out. <laughs> That's how I was thinking, man, for real. It was supposed to be like, had a t-shirt for me. Man, I swear, I, I envisioned everything. So I'm like, man, I ain't going to... I ain't gonna make it this long, but when I made it 21, then 22, I'm like, Shh, hold on now, it's gonna get real. I gotta do what I'm like, doing with my life now. Like, like, man, I gotta go get a job now. Yeah. Like, I need a career. I, I ain't go to school. I, man. What am I doing? Like for real. 22. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dirty thug. <laughs> I ain't got no owner but a pair of Jordans in a Wingstop yeah, cup. Right? I'm looking around. People starting this, people moving, people. I'm like, hold up, man. Life is really passing me right now. People really out here doing their thing, and I'm out here still talking about game banging. <laughs> like, this ain't going to work, you know? So yeah. I had to really just adjust like that. But what helped me is moving out of Detroit, coming to Houston, and really starting over. And I encourage people, like with the question you asked, I encourage people to leave their environment they in because one of the things I was able to do out here in Houston and if you leave an area that you grew up from that you was at and you start over, you you allowing yourself to grow and and be born again in a sense of when I came out here, ain't nobody know me. So I got to become whoever I want, wanted to and I got to start over with a clean slate, how I wanted people to interact with me, what I wanted people to know me for. So I got to start over. You know, back in Detroit, they just knew me as, oh, you a game banger. And it was hard to change that image because they grew up with me. But out here, ain't nobody know me. So whatever I told them, that's what they had to go with. So yeah. I was like, hey, you know, I graduated college. I did this, this, and this. And people had to believe because they don't know me. Right. And I was like, he don't got no reason to lie or nothing. Yeah. So I, I really had to train myself to rebrand myself. And yeah. So... You, you come out here to Houston, right? Come out here to Houston, and then so, help me out. So my recollection when I first met you, you was uh, you were selling cars, right? Mm -hmm. Selling cars. You got wife, got the twins. So transition up out of that gang life, real smooth. Came to Houston with a clean slate. Yeah, you know. And so, when you get to Houston, did you start selling cars immediately, or what was your first? Uh, source of income when you first moved to Houston. Yeah, when I came, when I left Detroit, moved down to Houston. <clears throat> my first, yeah, my first job that I, I got out here was selling cars, but I didn't promote it. I was selling cars for about ten years, but I never put it on social media. I never promoted it, nothing, cause I didn't want people to know where I was at, cause I still had that game mentality. Like, mm. if y'all know where I go every day, it ain't nothing for somebody to buy a ticket to come out here, right? Drive down here, and so. I was real big on that, so I never promoted what I did at all. But the first job was me getting into car sales, and this one I realized, man, that my mentality been like I, I feel like people in these hoods, man, that we we really got to get out that box and that mentality. Because when I got into the car business, like it was conversations that I was around that I can't even be a part of because I ain't understand what they're talking about. And there's people younger than me, people older than me, same age. They having these conversations like, oh, yeah, I'm looking at the stock market, this, this, and that. And they talking about all this stuff that I ain't know nothing about in Detroit and just being just coming from the streets. 
and I just was so lost in conversation. And they asking me my opinions on stuff, and I got to make excuse to get out the conversation because I'm like, bro, I don't know <laughs> what y'all talking about, man. Yeah, man. Like, if y'all talking about fighting, guns, anything like that, hey, we could talk about it. But all this uh, investment stuff, building stuff, business, like, I'm like, bro, I don't know what y'all talking about. Tax codes. I ain't know none of that. I had to learn all of that through me working through the car business, how to interact with people, how to communicate with people. And I never knew how to talk to people. Like I used to, they used to say little slick jokes that I ain't know was slick at the time uh, at the car business until I I realized what was going on and I had to check it. But, you know, because I used to talk real like with slang, pronounce words different, Mm -hmm. you know, and I used to really think that's how you pronounce the stuff. Yeah. Everybody around me used to talk like that. Nah, for real. So I was like, listen, bro, I'm with you on that. I, I'm from Georgia, bro. I, yeah. I, I still struggle out here yeah. in Houston. I've gotten a lot better. You know, I'm more polished now. When I first got here, though, I I met a guy at college. He had to go everywhere with me to translate. It was like I was from a foreign country. Because yeah. that thick Georgia accent, bro, because I, I, I mean, it ain't even an Atlanta accent because I'm from the country. So when you can start working in these professional corporate spaces, and you trying to, you know, speak that language, and they just looking at you like, yeah, what you say? You know what I say? What you say? Yeah, you know. And you gotta, you gotta. I had to learn, man. I just had to be myself unapologetically. You know, like you have like, to. I'm like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, because you that code switching, boy, it's draining, bro. Like, I'm like, hey, look, man, I'm tired of trying to come in here and say words like exasperated and. <laughs> You know, I'm, all right. these T.I. words I'm throwing out here that, man, I'm struggling, you know. And I'm only saying it because I heard somebody else say it. Really don't even know what it means, but it fit it, inside it, it the fit, sentence. Bro, I, what? So being in that car, were you? what was your what was your reaction? How did it feel when you got your first car sale? Man, it felt good. I, I got it. So what I told myself, I didn't even tell my wife this, but I told myself, I was like, I'm going to get myself a year out here. Cause it was different, man. It was thriving out here. It was sunny. People was friendly speaking, and Detroit like Gotham City, so yeah. it kind of was off to me a little bit. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna give it a uh, a year out here. I'm gonna see how this uh, car stuff work. If I don't like it, I was like, bro, I'm just gonna go back to Detroit. And when I got my first car sale, you know, I made that week because uh, the spot I was at, the dealership I was at, they paid you weekly. Mm. That week, I got paid uh, $5,000 that first week. And, man, I ain't never got that, to be honest. <laughs> and, you know, like, the stuff I got, I had to, like, really grind for. And mm. and all I did was sell two cars. Uh, yeah, two cars. And that paid me $5,000. Two cars is 5000 Yeah, it was two cars I did. Uh, and I got paid uh, 5000 bro, off that. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So first thing I did, bro, I called my boy. I was like, bro, you got to come out here, dog. I was like, bro, (laughs) the money is crazy. First check. I'm like, the money is crazy. And I convinced him to come down here and whatever. But second week, I made like $1,400. And then that whole month, I was making money. But that next month, boy, I was struggling. It slowed up. It slowed up. Quick than a bug. I was yeah. like, whoa. Listen, I wasn't expecting this. But So it, it ain't no base pay in car sales? Like, it's always, like, straight up, like... No, that's 100% commission. 
Straight, hundred percent commission. Yeah, hundred percent, bro. It doggy dog. Yeah, so you got to be aggressive. So that helped me too. Like everything I learned and confidence and all just came from the car business. Like mm-hmm. you got to really be, you know, aggressive, confident. You got to know what you're talking about because you get a client, or whatever. You say one wrong thing, you lose it. Now you just lost money. And mm-hmm. it's like, dang, there's already a lot of salespeople, so you're already fighting to, to get people. So it's like, you know, you got to be able to, uh, when you get something, really take advantage of it. Or yeah. you might not see nothing for a whole nother week. Right. So, so transitioning out of car sales, so you, you're selling cars 10 years, transitioning out of car sales into entrepreneurship. Yeah. So, Talk to me about that. Yeah, so getting out of car sales. Uh, so when I got into the uh, financial industry, like doing life insurance and investments, uh, craziest thing, man, it ain't nothing but God, you know, nothing but the most high for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I already was burnt out from the car business because I was doing it 10 years. In the car business, you work from 8 in the morning to 9 p.m. at night, and if you got a client, you're there at 10, 12, and the only day you get off is Sunday. So I'm missing everything, bro. Like e. birthdays, events. Like I'm missing everything. Uh, and I was doing it ten years. So I was like, man, I was 29, about to be 30, and I was like, I'm not going into my 30s doing what I was doing in my 20s. And the thing is, so many people kept coming up to me like, hey, have you heard about life insurance? You want to do life insurance? And I'm like, what's so everybody say talking about life insurance? I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's for old people. <laughs> I, I ain't doing no life insurance. Because I haven't heard that one person that looked like me, you know, be like, hey, I want some life insurance. Right. I never heard it, bro. I'm like, man, I'm not about to go around trying to sell no life insurance. And, you know, it just kept coming to me. So my boy, that's my business partner now, he got into it first. And he tried to get me to do it. And I was like, man, I ain't doing it. I was like, I'll send you somebody or somebody looking, but I ain't doing it. So uh, I got a nonprofit, Nation Brotherhood, and I was going to go mail out shirts. And my wife was telling me, she was like, uh, no, I want you just go ahead and uh, 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 put the shirts because the mail guy comes to the house to grab her uh, products and stuff to ship off. She's like, just leave your shirts on there. The mail guy uh, take it from here. I was like, nah, it's on the way to head to work, and plus I want to try to build a relationship with the people at the post office. Mm-hmm. I was like, because I'm going to be mailing off these shirts and products for Nation Brotherhood a lot, and I want to have a little bit of you know grace and favor when I get to this post office if I need it. And uh, so I go to the post office, and mm-hmm. I run into a dude, man. He had to be like 41, mm-hmm. and he was in front of me. He go first, and I go, and we end up being done at the same time. So as we was walking out, the post office had two doors. One door like to get out into the lobby, the other mm-hmm. door to go outside. Yeah. So I held the first door open for him. He was like, thank you. And he made it to the door to get outside. So he opened it for me, and I was like, I appreciate you. He was like, anytime. And then he stopped. He was like, hey, man, can I talk to you real fast? I was like, yeah. Mind you, I had to be at work. I was already about running late. And I stopped. I was like, yeah, I got a few minutes. What's up? He was like, Man, it's on me to tell you, don't go in your uh, 30s doing what you were doing in your 20s. Mm. And I stopped. And I was like, bro, I just telling my boy this like two days ago. And I stopped and I was like, I like, what you say to me? He's like, no, nah, it ain't nothing like that. I was like, nah, I was like, but what made you say that? Now, when I tell you, bro, I had bumps coming up my arms, mm-hmm. like my heart beating fast. I ain't lying because 
I'm like, what made you say that, bro? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know for a fact the most high is real off this. And he was like, what do you do for a living? And I'm still just in a blender, bro. I'm like, I mean, I, I work down here mm-hmm. at the dealership. Mm-hmm. He was like, is right now a good time? I was like, yeah, man. I was like, it's just something you said threw me off. But, yeah, what's up? He was like, uh, I want to sit down and talk with you, show you what I do, man. He was like, I think you probably be good in what I do and all this stuff. And he was like, I don't know why I'm about to show you this, but I'm going to show you because it's on me. And he showed me his bank account, two accounts. One account was a, a Wells Fargo account. Uh, no, his account was a Capital One. He had mm. 100000 in there. Mm. He had a Wells Fargo account. He had a million, a million and some change in that mud. And this dude was dressed so plain. He was like, yeah, this is my car. It was like a 2020 Honda or something like mm. that. Man, he was like, man, I'll teach you everything. I'll show you. Come have lunch with me on uh, Sunday because he said Saturday. It was a Friday, and he told me, come meet Saturday. I was like, man, I worked bell to bell at the damn dealership. Mm-hmm. He was like, all right, Sunday. I was like, Sunday at work. And I sat down and talked to him and come to find out he was in the life insurance industry. Mm-hmm. And that was all I need. I'm like, all right, God, I'm listening, man. Mm-hmm. You're not sending like five people to me already trying to get me in this space. And I asked, I wanted to leave this industry where I was at, the car business, and everybody you was sending me, I was turning away. Like, nah, I ain't doing that. And I was like, why everybody keep coming to me with this? And come to find out, I had to see some junk to believe it. The mm-hmm. dude showed me. I was like, oh, it's over. So I went to get licensed. I was like, soon as my license come, I'm I'm quitting. Mm-hmm. My license came in, bro. I had a client. Uh, they emailed me, said, you know, I passed the thing and my license was in. I had a client. I was like, told the client I'd be right back. I went to a guy that was working there. I was like, hey, it's a uh, client out there. They looking for this car. They buying. I was like, uh, I'm out. He was like, what you mean? I was like, bro, I'm done. I was like, Dang. I'm done. I left the client at the desk, gave, turned it over to somebody else. And they was buying too, mm. but I was done, bro. Mm. I pulled my car up to the front. I had a box. Bro, I cleaned my desk out. A lot of clients sitting at my desk. I was like, I don't give a damn. I'm out, bro. Yeah. I was like, once my stuff come, I'm done. And it came, and I didn't know how I was going to make money in this field or nothing or how I was going to do it. But I believed in myself, bro. I was like, I ain't going to fail. Right. And it's been good ever since, bro. Man, bro. Man, that's heavy. Boy, say you clean this desk out in front of the client. In front of him, bro. Man, so life insurance. Talk to me. Talk. Give us a little game on, like, on buying it for yourself and, you know, selling it like the give like kind of kind of lean into that a little bit yeah as far as like um uh how it is like selling it or or yeah so like let's start let's start with why people need to buy like why do people need life insurance because people like it's kind of like one of those things like ah people feel like you know it's a money grab you know it's a scheme it's a hustle it's a gimmick right like what to explain to us why we need life insurance and why it's important to have that investment. All right, most man, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that because it's only our people that think like that, man. Because I talk to so many different people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different race, and every time I get to our people, man, I promise you, the one thing they say, and it's kind of like the older ones too, they, man, life insurance is a scam. This is like... You know, how is it a scam? You know, we got that mindset, and that's why we so far behind because everybody else is leveraging life insurance, man. Like, 
They put policies on all their family members from newborn all the way up to the great-grandparents. Everybody getting a policy because they understand that death is the only thing that's guaranteed to happen to everybody. So why not be financially secure whenever that time come? And they, you know, being able to keep wealth within their family, their bloodline, buy life insurance. You know, you, you get a million dollars, 500000 whatever that coverage is, pay back into your household, your community, your, your whatever you want that money to go into, you know. And our people is selfish, man, to be honest. Uh, they selfish, bro. Like, they, they, I had conversations. I'm like, you know, that set you up for this. You know, you have children, you have a wife, whatever. And the number one thing they always say is, Man, I ain't about to leave no money with them so they could go remarry somebody else with my money. Uh, they say that junk. People really say that? A lot, bro. A lot. And I'm like, man, it ain't even about that. It's about, bro, y'all got kids together. Nah, skip that. I ain't had nothing coming. They figured it out. Then they be set. Then they, now I got to set up the GoFundMe and do the fish fry. Yup. GoFundMe's and junk, begging strangers to help and, and ain't even enough money for the funeral. So now you got to cremate the person, not even have a, a funeral. So, yeah. it, so it's just terrible. Yeah, so I saw, I saw, um, like, I was at the red light one day. Cat walked up. He had a sign. He was like, please uh, donate, I guess, his uh, daughter or, you know, a young girl in his family was killed in a car crash by a drunk driver. Yeah. They were out, like, panhandling, bro. Like, I'm like, man, life insurance is serious. So, my next question would be is, you said leveraging life insurance, like so you can use your life insurance policy money while you are, while you living, like. Yep. So, you can use it while you alive, man. A lot of people don't know this, and that's why I come in and really teach people that uh, this is like that Rockefeller concept of you becoming your own bank, uh, infinite banking, private banking. You become your own bank through life insurance. Uh, you get a permanent policy, not a whole life. It's a big difference. Not a whole life. It's a permanent policy you get. And each monthly premium that you're paying into that is actually going into the investment portion in the index uh, and is investing into the S&P 500. And you're making compound interest off of your money. And your money is growing faster than any 401k, any Roth account, any IRA, money market account, 403b. Any of those investment accounts, this account is growing way faster and it's safer because if that stock market ever goes down, your money don't lose. It just stays the same. And then when it go up, you participate in it. You get 100% of the gains. And there's no penalties or fees associated with it where uh, if you try to pull your money out before retirement age, 59 and a half, like 401k, you get taxed and penalized with a 401k. With this account, you don't get taxed or penalized. So you pulling all of your money out, and the best part about it is, I say you got this account, you had it for, let's say, 17 years or whatever, you had this life insurance account. And I say in that time span, you got 60000 in there, and you want to pull 30000 out of it tax-free to put the money whatever. The best thing about that is when you pull the money out, the 30000 that 30000 never leave your account. So even though you physically pull thirty thousand out, you still have sixty thousand in this account making you interest and money, and wow. this is money that don't have to be paid back. This is money that uh, you you don't get uh, any penalties or anything from it. 
you know, there's multiple ways that money can get put back in this account. Uh, but one of the main ways people use it, they just let it come out the death benefit when they pass away. So they still growing money. It's like a money machine. You put money in, you let it grow, you borrow that money back, and it never leave the account. So hmm. you still got whatever you originally had in there, and it's still making you money. Yeah. So what is what is, what is something like that look like for a working class person that, you know, making, you know, the average median salary, 60000 a year, they want to pay into a life insurance policy monthly. How much does that cost? You know, I got I got... I got kids, I got, you know, I got bills, you know, I got gym memberships. What is what does that look like monthly if somebody is paying into that? Yeah. So it go based off the age and health because you still have that life insurance portion attached to it. So they still got to qualify you based off the health. But on average, that's say if you got a 35-year-old male uh, and he want to go with like $300,000 in coverage, you know, that will probably look anywhere for him anywhere from a hundred a month to like one twenty somewhere around there a month for it. Yup. So I I take I take away three door dashes a month and Yeah, for real. And cancel one of them subscriptions that I've been paying for that they keep taking money out that I forget to cancel and I, I can afford it. Like in mm -hmm. comfortably. Yeah, man, like People don't understand, like, the cost that you can get is really an investment that you can get to protect, you know, your family, to protect your house, protect your assets, to make money while you're still here to leverage it. Like, you putting this money in and your money going to work for you. <clears throat> People, you know, go spend more on, you know, on drinks, on a night out, on out to eat, on, on groceries, on entertainment like without even thinking twice about it but when it comes down to actually having your money being intentional about your money and having to grow people hold on now how much this will be and now people want to well let me see what i'm paying on this and want to go to the kitchen table and check they they bills and see what they paying but when it comes to other other stuff they spend money carelessly and that's where you know money management come in at people mm -hmm. got to really have money discipline good money habits and good money uh, management, and you know, people start seeing a lot of more things open up for them. Yeah, they learn that. So, in that same, in that same, um, in that same breath, man, because we got about seven minutes left. I want to hit on nonprofits real quick. So, my mentor, uh, pretty lucrative individual, he's in the um, medical industry, and he owns a lot of real estate and stuff. He spent some time on um, Wall Street, so. He, Money, money, though. Yeah. He said the most money he's ever made, quote unquote, leveraged. We're gonna say leveraged. Most yeah, money leveraged, he ever yeah. leveraged was through nonprofits. So talk to me because y'all know you. I know you have a nonprofit. So yeah. talk to me about grants. Talk to me a bit about starting up a nonprofit. Well, my nonprofit. I know nonprofits, man. It's, it's kind of difficult really honestly to get it up and going far as like having that revenue come in to continue to do what you do like when i had like well my nonprofit is majority of the stuff that was being funded was coming from me and then i also have members as a part of it that was putting in as well uh with the nonprofit. but it was like the community man the stuff that we was doing 
And we was very consistent, man. We was going to Detroit, to Houston, yeah, yeah. and we was consistent, man, jumping out a lot of money to give back to the community. And it's like the community, they should have been really pouring more into us and supporting, donating when they can, giving supplies, doing all this stuff, man. And we really, we really weren't getting that, you mm-hmm. know. So it's, it's, if you don't really have that support, it's hard to really maintain a nonprofit, mm. or if you don't know how to do the grants, because there's a lot of grants out there for the nonprofit. But you gotta know how to structure that thing to be able to mm-hmm. have them choose you out of a million other people that's submitting for this grant. Mm. So you gotta really know how to stand out and have your stuff together. If you don't got that, man, it's, it's kind of difficult. You could it kind of get discouraging because you're like, man, I'm putting all this money out. And people watching me, I'm doing this for the community, and nobody want to donate five dollars, ten dollars to mm-hmm. help out and start getting hard, man. Mm-hmm. But if you have a team, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, you know? I got you. I got you. Cool, man. Thank you for that. So before we wrap up, man, uh, new baby. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Thank Congratulations. You. Number three now. Yeah, number All three. Girls. All girls. But you was out there reckless, boy. <laughs> He was in Detroit, but he was up there reckless, but oh, crazy. Yeah, man. so three girls. <laughs> oh man, and uh, like talk talk to us about that real quick. You know, you transition. Your twins are how old now? They about to be eight, eight. in November. Yeah, so eight in November, and you got a newborn. So they basically gonna raise the newborn. Yeah, they already, <laughs> man. I swear. So t- talk to me about that real quick, man. Man, it's a beautiful feeling, man. To be able to. You know, be in a house with your kids, be able to raise your kids and stuff like that, to be in a picture because you see a lot of, you know, things out there that say father's not active and uh, fathers don't be in the home and stuff. So it's good that, you know, your kids get to grow up and not be one of the ones that, you know, don't have both parents there, you know. Uh, so it's a beautiful feeling, man. And I feel like my, my children is like the reason like my because not really my why it's like my because because i have them you know i have to make sure that they never go without make sure my wife is good make sure the household is good so even if i'm going through like some stress or whatever it was like oh this this uh mortgage to do this do this through this do uh doing all that stuff i can never let them see that you know because i'm i'm supposed to be there to protect them and make sure that they comfortable and not drag them in the space I'm in. If I'm panicking ever or whatever, I gotta make sure that they comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I want my daughters to see, to get a man that's like similar to how I'm doing things. You know, I don't want them to go out and be like, get a guy that's on the couch and like ain't trying to do nothing because they seen their father doing it, so they think it's okay. Like nah, yeah, you know. So, so you gotta set that tone. Yeah. So, man, me and you, all too familiar right now. I got. You know, you know, I got two young kids mm-hmm. and supporting, supporting women through postpartum. This is Man, this is this is safe space right now. So, so a lot of people don't know how dangerous it is for a black woman to lay down on their delivery bed. The risk that comes associated with it. Black women die more than any other race delivering babies. Right. Um, mainly due to C-sections. I had to fight, literally had to fight, like, for them not to cut on my wife. They were pushing for the C-section because it's more money, because mm-hmm. it's a procedure, right? And a lot of people don't know that. And so 
like when I'm going through this with my wife and I'm supporting her through this, I'm like, man, it's single mothers out here that don't have somebody to stand in the gap. And I thought about that too. Have that, man, bro. Like I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine like th- that got to suck, bro. Like single mom, you don't have the support of a man there to be the be a voice for you in there. Exactly. Because you know? your mama, mama gonna be mama, right? We know mama gonna be there. But when you got that reinforcement, the disciplinarian, they're like, hey, don't don't do this. This need to go this way, bro. They tried to they pitched C section three to four times because she was late. You know she, she was forty two weeks. So they were like, hey, we gonna have to cut them out. I'm like, hey, look, nah, we got to call another route. Y'all not cutting on my wife. Yeah. You know, like I, it's important. It's so vital for us to be there with them women when they going through that, bro. That's facts. God dang, bro. Like I, I, I That's don't. That's facts, man. I don't know what your um you know situation like you know, but I'm from like being in the hospital. With a black woman that's pregnant, man, it's it ain't all. But y'all see the pictures of congratulations. Oh my god, the baby's so beautiful. It's rough in there, boy. It's 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 it's, it's like it's you got to be a gladiator. You do. Got to be a gladiator, man. So talk a little bit about that, man. Man, I'm glad you said that, man, because I didn't know nothing about that, like that postpartum stuff, real fast. Like, um, I remember I got into it with my wife over this, man, because I was so blind to it, I didn't know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And when we first had the twins, you know, she put up a status saying that, you know, she went through postpartum depression and all this stuff. And I'm like, I just seen depression. Mm. And I took it like, depression? What? We went on this trip, this trip. I'm mm-hmm. buying this, that. Mm-hmm. That you mean depression? So I took it at a shot to me. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on. You blindsided me with this. Yeah. It's the first time I heard even heard that term. And it's the first time I heard her say that. Uh, and she put it out there. And I'm like, what the heck? So I'm thinking it got something to do with me in the household. And so I got mad. I'm like, man, what the heck this mean? And all this stuff. And I had to go and do some research. And look, mm-hmm. and I, and I didn't know that, bro. I was so blind to all this. I didn't know that women uh, can pass away after giving birth mm-hmm. uh, weeks later, and all mm-hmm. this. I didn't know none of that, bro. Yeah. And because the car business, once again, bro, I was down there out the house a lot of times because I was trying to provide income for the for the household. So a lot of that stuff inside the house she was going through, I missed it because mm-hmm. I was in the car business trying to make money. And I was tunnel vision, bro. And when I get home, I'm just thinking everything is good, not really checking up on her like that, like I should. So that was symptoms. But this go around, you know, I was kind of feeling the way when she got pregnant and stuff because I'm like, man, that junk. Now I know all the risks that could come with it. And now I'm scared as hell. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to have another kid, bro, because yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a big risk. I didn't know none of that at first. And yeah. it's I don't think that's really talked about enough for the men to understand right. what go on with that and understand that. But now this pregnancy and, you know, us having a baby now is completely different from when we had the twins on how I'm navigating because I was blind at first. Mm-hmm. I didn't know all this other stuff. And now yeah. is I'm making sure everything is good and make sure she don't get into that space because that junk is real. Yeah. And I thought it was just, when she first said it, I'm like, what the heck you mean depressed? Like, man, yeah. when we buying all this stuff. Yeah, so, like, man, I'm glad you said that, bro, because we be, same thing. My wife was not herself. She was a zombie, you know? And 
what a lot of men got to understand is you doing what everything you can do, right? You doing it, you you there, you took off work, you present, you hands on. Now, at nighttime, I'm sleeping. Baby, wake up. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm not getting up for that. Yeah, for I, I, I can't help you there. For real. Any daytime action, is, I got you, though. It's but, up. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but, like, a lot of times we'll, we'll feel, I don't know, you kind of get discouraged, you know? It's like I'm doing everything, she's still upset. But we'll, what mm-hmm. people don't know is postpartum depression is a chemical imbalance. It's a hormone release that women can't control, especially if they have a vaginal birth. So it, they don't even know they're doing it a mm. lot of the times, right? So when they get into that 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 suicidal state, yeah, the main thing from them being in suicidal state is sleep deprivation. Cause you gotta think they waking up to pump, right? They gotta wake up, pump, waking up to feed. That's right. They, you know, I'm changing diapers. I'm doing that, doing this, and doing that. Especially if there's another small child in the house. So not only I gotta. A whole human just came out of me. I'm healing. My body different. I'm looking in the mirror. I don't like killing my confidence. That's true. And hand done her hair in days. She just been take making just enough time to take a shower so she can get out and hope the baby don't cry while she in the shower. You know, like that's a that's a miserable day to day, bro. That's worse than working. That's worse than working a, a a hard job, dog. Like it's. You you go I go from this 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 woman that's you know that's thriving my my body look good you know my skin good I'm thriving I'm, I'm good then boom it's just an immediate drop off you know you and you it's day to day it's it's nonstop it's consistent it, there is no clocking out ain't, there ain't no clocking out like your baby wake up every two hours they take them on the bottle got to change them you know you got to figure all the while. You, your body healing and you dealing with your own stuff. And then, while you at the house with the baby, social media, I'm scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on TikTok, I'm on Facebook, I'm seeing all these other women thriving, you know, then the, your brain, your mind already ain't all the way there because of the postpartum. So that that just elevates it. That's you know? true. Like, it's been times, man, man, so many dark, dark moments my wife had, I didn't know how to navigate it. I didn't know. All I could do was just call on the Most High and just pray. For, I was like, "Babe, I know." And what I learned to do, what I learned to do, is just to be quiet and just be there, right? Presence, being there, physically being visible, is the best thing you can do. Best thing you can do. That's what I learned. You ain't gotta say nothing. If you there, not to necessarily be that punching bag, right? Because they're not really he, they're not really demeaning you as a man. They just frustrated and annoyed, mm-hmm. and it, it gets me hempecky is nagging. But you being there, just so they can be a voice, they can have a voice, and they can have somebody to say it too. That's what I learned. Cause the first go around, oh man, I was, I cause I like you said, I, I didn't know. You know, before I had my daughter, I'm, bro, I'm booked up, bro. I I got shows, I got I got shows four days a week. Yeah, I'm booked up. I'm never at the at the crib. Yeah, you know I'm shooting content. I'm hitting stages. Yeah, cause we be in that grind mode. Like man, we gotta get it. And it's crazy that the uh, mindset is different. You know, the the women they take the approach like you know they trying to build up the house, nurture the, the the child and stuff. And then we go in straight war mode. Like man, I gotta go out there and get it. And that could kind of like have us on one track 
when we so focused on being able to provide that, you know, we kind of block everything else out because uh, we so focused on, you know, trying to make sure that we can have money come in, that we can be able to get the things if stuff is needed so we don't have to ask the next man for help, you know, because that's one of the main things with men too. Like, we don't want to have to go to another man and be like, man, I'm kind of messed up right now and ask for help, you know. Mm -hmm. We kind of want to try to figure this out on our own. And uh, especially we don't want our, our wives to try to... Yeah go to nobody else to ask for some stuff. Like, yeah, man, real quick. You know it's totally different in other cultures, though? Like, in other cultures, there's a sense of entitlement. Like, you owe me this. Yeah. I need that. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, I'm struggling, but the only reason I'm struggling because you ain't give me what you owe me. Mm-hmm. Us, it... Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it don't work like that. It don't work like that. That's true, man. We got a... Uh, a uh, uh, individual type mindset. What I mean by that is like our culture is more hey, I'm going to do this on my own. Mm -hmm. I, that we don't want to come together or use resources. It's all, now I need to figure this out on my own. Just like when different culture, they all move in together. They pay this house out. That one person keep the house, then they move in another house, a big family. They pay mm -hmm. that off. This family keep it. And they keep doing it like that. Yeah. Our people, we like, boy, I ain't about to move in with, with nah, nah, I need my own space. Yeah. You'd rather start paying all this money and be trying to struggle than to be, you know, financially comfortable mm -hmm. and just have to give up your space in a little bit, but temporarily, you right. know, but we ain't going for that. We like, nah, yeah. skip that. So. Yeah. So, man, as we wrap up, man, we covered a lot today. That was really good. I mean, we covered some. We cover some heavy, heavy topics. Uh, appreciate you for coming through I appreciate and, getting, you. and dropping that knowledge on us. So, where can the people find you at on all social media platforms? Yeah, on uh, Instagram, it's the wolf underscore Melick, M E L E C H. TikTok is the same thing without the underscore. So, the wolf Melick. Facebook is Melick Davis, M E L E C H, and Davis. Uh, you know, Facebook, I mean, uh, YouTube is the Wolf of Insurance and Financials. So, you know, you catch me all on social media there. Or I just type in the Wolf of Insurance and Financials or the Wolf of Insurance, and I'm bound to pop up on either platform. So that's where y'all can find me at. And appreciate you having me here, man. Oh, yeah. And last question. How was your experience today at the Tour Podcast Studio? Bro, good vibes, good uh, environment, nice setup. Everything, man, it's, it's, you know, good company and everything. It's, it's you know, a thousand out of ten, if that's even a thing, bro. It's appreciate good. it, man. Appreciate good it, stuff, man. man. So, thank y'all for tuning in to the Free Lunch Podcast, man. We got some more amazing guests to come, uh, young, minority, thriving individuals that's going to be coming through here and just sharing that knowledge with them spaces that they work in. All right, so appreciate y'all. We see y'all next time. Get in line early. Yeah, come on.